You're listening to Double Feature with Eric 13 and Michael Kester. Hello? Hey. Oh, you're on the other thing. Okay, hello? Oh, who fucked up now? It's it, Apple. I'm blaming Apple. Uh-huh. Um, did you watch the thing? Did you actually watch it? Or are you just, you're just placating me? When you say the thing, you mean the movie from today? Yeah. All right. So. I know you watch at least one of the other movies, but the first movie. You Today you wanted to watch Jackass. No. Hold on. I wanted to talk about. Let's not talk about what uh, I wanted to watch. You, were, you very much enjoyed the process of watching uh-huh. Jackass. Yes. And... Oh, I'm sorry. Actually, let me do both full titles. <clears throat> okay. Jackass, the movie, and Impractical Jokers, the movie. Yeah, that's right. That's All right. what we're here to talk about today. So uh, <laughs> let me spend 40 minutes answering your fucking question. That seems to be how I do things here. Uh, I'm at an impasse here because you were like, hey, watch these movies, and you stuck on it and stuck on it. And I'm definitely at a point in my life where, you know, as an act of bravado, I tell people that I just refuse to do things I don't want to do. Sure. You know, I'm treating my life right now as if I have two weeks to live. Mm -hmm. So when people ask me to do stupid things that I don't want to do that normally I would just get, like, scared into doing, I just refuse to do them. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it... It probably makes me more unlikable, but I don't have any friends anyways. Yeah. But this is like, this is like uh, immovable objects meets, uh, (laughs) you know what I'm saying? Like, so, so I set up this whole goddamn format so we didn't have to watch movies because I just want to talk to you on the phone and I don't want three weeks to go by because neither one of us could find time to watch two damn movies. Absolutely. And so, you know, when you said Impractical Jokers, it was the perfect opportunity. Because, of, of course, I'm not fucking watching that. Impractical Jokers, right. the movie, there's never been a more unwatchable movie that you've told me to go see. Absolutely. But I have to tell you, Michael, that I am a creature of habit. And I, <laughs> what went from, there, I don't want to watch this. What a chore. I cannot watch this. I refuse to watch this slowly turned into a morbid curiosity. Mm-hmm. And then I started to wonder, well, what's, what's actually in Impractical Jokers, the movie? It can't really be a movie. Right. Surely no one would make Impractical Jokers, the movie, assuming that other human beings would watch it. So I fucking watched the movie. Right. And I'm mad at myself for it. Yeah. You're, I'm sure, happy. That's the, that's the happy ending of the story. But I'm personally angry with myself. That I could not bring myself to not watch Impractical Jokers, the movie. Well, I'll be honest. Like, I, it's important to me at this juncture. <laughs> if this is the moment you tell me you didn't watch it, I will yeah, I fly over there and murder shit. you. Are you kidding me? I will no, literally um, kill you. No, it's to me what. So the existence of Impractical. You want to talk about unstoppable force, immovable object, right? Mm. um the the adage of uh you know i don't know so let's pretend it was mount everest and i don't know just for the sake of 
acknowledging that all quotes are bullshit. Let's say it was, I don't know, Stephen King. And someone asked Stephen King, why did you climb Mount Everest? And he said, because it was there. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that is my ultimate feeling on um, the Impractical Jokers movie. You know, are you the, actively playing Dead by Daylight right now? No. <laughs> it, what? Just, it just sounds like I hear the distinct click of a controller, and I just wanted to hang a lantern on it. Oh no, 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 no! Uh, I do. I have. I have. Um, I have like a toy in my hand that's clicking. That's what it is. Okay. Um, All right, fidget spinner. <laughs> um, so I'll put it down. So, um, well, it's it's funny because when... I also watched the Summit of the Gods this week, which is like mm-hmm. a you know a rather prestigious animated movie that's literally about climbing. Like we could have done that shit with that's perfect. Impractical Great. Jokers as well. So so when this so Impractical Jokers exists right, and this is the this is it's similarly to jackass this is a thing that has been on television and much beloved for so long i mean so long um i don't know how many seasons because i don't actually care but to the point where it's getting its own movie and once you know similarly to once something has uh four sequels suddenly i go is this something i need to watch right yeah um, so when Impractical Jokers, the movie comes out, I go, okay, well, I mean, it's, and it's, it's available to stream fairly easily and it has poster art, you know, just the basics. <laughs> this um, is what it takes to get you to watch something. <laughs> Refuses so, to go away, can be streamed, has poster art. So Amazing. I, uh, I had this, I just had this sort of morbid curiosity of what is this all about night? And to be honest, so I watched it. I'd, I'd seen a couple episodes because you know I am on Earth, and uh, well, that's funny because when you brought this up to me, I had kind of heard only just recently of this of Impractical okay. Jokers. Yeah, and so maybe as like a punchline or something. But I, if you showed me a picture of of people in full clown makeup and said this is the Impractical Jokers, I'd <laughs> yeah. be like, sure, okay. Well, I guess it's Great. some. Is this some fucking Batman spinoff I need to know about? Great. I don't know what that is. <laughs> so, so I, I, you know, I, I was curious. I was curious how they were going to do. One of the things I was really curious about in in doing a movie is when you have so impractical jokers for anybody who isn't me and Eric and listens to this show. It's essentially candid camera, which is a television show of much fame and popularity from what the 80s 70s 80s god yeah how old is candid Um, camera if only we had the internet yeah well we don't the historical significance (laughs) of like making an ass of yourself in front of other people for entertainment is really yeah it's it's so candid if ever we were going to go back to ancient theater you know yeah candid camera is it, it and a practical joker is really they roll the same dice, which is hide a camera somewhere candidly, ooh, and um, and then have uh, have some scripted bullshit take place and get the honest reactions of real life people in heinous situations, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, Impractical Jokers ups the ante slightly, uh, and in a in a very um, in a very like modern culture way, by uh, 
giving you four assholes that it's okay to see thrown under the bus, right? So, so I think I think in modern society, one of the things that wouldn't work with candid camera is there is there's I mean, and it is it is divergent um, based on it's basically divergent based on your FYP on TikTok, right? But there are some people who can't watch something like candid camera because their empathy is so strong. They feel bad for real life people who don't realize they're being made a fool of and they can't. Oh yeah. There's even people on this phone call who are like this. Right. Exactly. And, 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 but no, me too. I'm saying I, I, that exists. And then there's people who are like, fuck those people. People are uh, essentially it's humanism versus anti-humanism, right? It's like, when you meet people and they claim they're misanthropes, this is the test. Yeah. (laughs) Like, oh, people suck. I actually like animals. People suck. They can all die. You, you go, let's watch impractical jokers (laughs) since you care so little about both humanity and your own time. Yeah. That Venn diagram. Candid so, camera, by the way, just really quick, because who cares? Yeah. Uh, started in 48 and continued oh until 2014. God. There were cameras to candidly hide in 1948. They did have to, before it had the long run between 48 and 2014, they did have to prove out the concept for a colossally long time. It began as the candid microphone in... Um, 1947. Okay, so for one go. year they had to do that. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, so Impractical Jokers, basically, you know, that's the that's the premise. And then you have these four guys who ostensibly are high school friends, sure. And uh, they like to play jokes on each other, and and it sort of alleviates some of the some of the tension because we all like to make an asshole of these four dudes, and and it's all in good fun. So that is that is the premise, and then this movie is essentially uh, what if uh, what if we went to a Paula Abdul concert? This is this is what a tour. Is. If the logline had started, is. what if we went to a Paula Abdul concert? Yeah. I would have been I would have been on yeah. the boat so much quicker. <laughs> so this is essentially what touring is, as you know, you know this, I know this. When bands go on tour, uh, smaller time bands, right? When 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 the average band goes on tour, you go. I want to go to these cities. Maybe we can get forty dollars if we play some music. Yeah, that's the premise. You yeah. go on a road trip and you try and get forty dollars a day. That's the whole thing. And so the Impractical Jokers movie premise of the film is: What if we went to a Paula Abdul concert, uh, but impractically joked the whole way there? Uh-huh. That's that's the that's the gag. So. As long so, as you don't accidentally break the fourth wall over and over, I don't see what could go wrong. Definitely. And um, so so this movie is – it's so that takes me back to what I wanted to talk about with Impractical Jokers. So Impractical Jokers, as far as I know, is actually still airing, although I think one of the four jo- – I think they are only at 70%, 75% of the Jokers currently. Oh, one of them, one of, one of them definitely one of the, died from COVID. Yeah, That's I think guess. I think I think one of the jokers just decided to be more practical. Wow. But um yeah, uh Joe actually uh, That is closer to team. a joke than anything that appeared in this movie. So <laughs> I have to give you credit for that. Great. I'm so glad that you're in that headspace. I don't know how you pick out four people from Staten Island and none of the four get COVID and die. 
Sure. I'm just not sure how that happened. <laughs> so, so anyway, this is a contemporary thing. Impractical Jokers is contemporary. It's much beloved. These guys go on tour. They have big followings on social media. And all of this is, this is, this brings me to this premise of, of actually the thing I wanted to talk about and why I wanted to compare this to the other movie, which is, so Impractical Jokers is aside in some ways. So we already discussed, right? We already discussed that like, it has this sort of like malicious anti-humanism baked into this premise right let's make a fool of unwitting people of course they sign something after the fact so you know they were a good sport but there's something about it that feels a little bit malicious and devious and and like not super nice uh but at at the most surface level this shit is like pg fucking programming oh yeah and and, well, you know what it kind of reminds me of? It's like a movie from the Idiocracy universe. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like it's I'm perfect. watching you're a You're right exactly. You're exactly where I want you to be with this. Uh-huh. So the whole thing that's just like surreal to me is like I can't get my head around the fact that Impractical Jokers is so popular that it's been around for years and years and years. It is still airing. People know these guys by name. People, these, these people have fan accounts. They have social media presence. They're cameoing in other movies. They got their own fucking theatrically released film. And this is what they're doing. This is the thing. <laughs> this is the phenomenon. Yes, the blessing of low ambitions. It's shocking to me. Uh-huh. It's shocking to me because, and we'll get into we'll get into a lot more of the meat of this when we talk jackass. But like the the decried negativity of cancel jackass started from day one. It was perverse. It was subversive. It was the absolute bottom of humanity going on when that was still airing and putting out movies and, and all of this, when that happened, those people are just disgusting perverts that just show you the worst of society. Impractical jokers get through the Met. It's, they're just like letting it through TSA. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, but, but I would argue impractical jokers needs the pat down when we're talking about what's worse for society. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay. So, the thing is, so you watch this movie and I, again, like there are just, I don't think anybody seems to to understand what you're, what you said. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with the idiocracy thing. There's one moment in this whole movie where I go, wait a second, do they know what this is? And do you know when that moment is? No, what? It's the Kane Hodder cameo. <laughs> I was going to say, we've, uh, we've made it pretty far without spotting a hotter in here. We spotted the hotter. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was like 50, 50 on whether or not to push to get this on the show and then spot the hotter. Yeah. Well, I think the fact he doesn't have any lines, you know, probably, probably indicates that he's there on accident. (laughs) Well, no. So I did some research on this. Oh, please. He has showed up in the show a number of times. Oh, wow. All right. He's actually by some research I literally went was that actually Kane Hodder and it was like he was in two episodes of in Practical Jokers or some shit. Uh, um, I think I'm sorry. So Kane Hodder is like part of this universe, and I still didn't fucking know about this. Now it's getting now it's getting weird, right? Yeah. Well, and just to back your previous point, you know, I asked a uh, 
yesterday, actually, I asked a friend who uh, does a lot of stand-up here, and I thought, you know, like, maybe this is more his world and he would have some insight. And I was asking him about the sort of popularity of this because mm-hmm. just using the evidence that you've presented to me, it's like, okay, in Practical Jokers, that's a franchise on TV, and now they've made a movie. So at the very least, and I watched the movie, and there are, you know, there's some cheap stuff, but there are scenes that are, like, lit and cost a little money, and there's actors. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this is not a free endeavor. So I'm looking at it going, like, well, somehow this justified making a movie to someone. Somebody right. wrote a check, at least one yeah. person, probably many people. People signed off on it. So somewhere this is popular enough to justify a a not even very cheap, um, especially by reality standards, movie. And right. so I was asking him, you know, just trying to wrap my head around that. And, you know, he said the first thing you have to understand is that they play Madison Square Garden. Like, the, you might not know yeah. about this, but it's fucking huge. Yeah. Which, once again, just speaks to the, the long-running theme of, uh, I mean, just everything. <laughs> Double feature, uh, my existence, things we like, you know, mm-hmm. which is that you can think something is huge and it turns out it's just the 20 people immediately in your life that know about it and therefore you think it's like the biggest thing on the planet, you know. Right. Uh, and that works the other way too. I don't, the 20 people I talk to in my life, none of them know what Impractical Jokers is until you did and that's the first fucking time I heard of it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, he was also saying like they play internationally and this works everywhere. And so his big insight, which is a uh, it's like a a answer that just provokes more questions, is that there isn't a spin on it and that there isn't a, a thing, you know, like okay, let me give you a quick example. Uh Warhol. I got to New York, I started being exposed to a lot more Warhol, and Warhol is something you look at it, you're like, "Oh, it's soup cans." four of them, what's the fucking point? And you would not be like, I would never ding a person for just looking at Warhol and going, I don't get it. That's kind of what you're supposed to think on the surface. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of like read the history. We've talked about Warhol stuff on the show, uh, Chelsea Girls, you know. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, maybe it is still just soup cans, but it's there's fodder to talk about it for quite some time and there's many layers. Right. And so I'm kind of like, digging around for the Warhol of Impractical Jokers. <laughs> and he's sort of like, well, the thing is, there's stupid entertainment, and then stupid people watch the stupid entertainment. And that was it. And, yeah. uh, and somehow that, that kind of, <laughs> like, I, you know. Sure. Please put on my tombstone uh, as just the only contribution I have to... Uh, the lexicon of humanity that um, I think once on this show, I said that 50% of all people on earth are at or below average intelligence. And that's just kind of like a lot of times I come up against stuff and I go, how does this exist? Who is watching? Who is this for? Why? Right. And there are many people. A whole yeah. culture of human I don't understand. Do you remember the movie, the Jeff Nichols movie, Midnight Special? Oh, no, I don't think I've ever seen Midnight Special. Okay, so um, 
midnight special well we should put it on the show it's actually great um premise is essentially that there are two i'm not going to get into it because i don't want to spoil anything but there are there are essentially two uh realities that exist on top of each other and the uh the the line between them is starting to to crumble but both things coexist and both realities cannot see the other reality mm. period that when i watch impractical jokers i just feel like it's midnight special i feel like because i feel like you know you and i especially you're in new york i'm in san francisco it's safe to say as i'm walking down the street that the majority of people don't watch impractical jokers certainly not the entirety but the majority however they are among us you know what i mean um right and it's it's just crazy but the other thing so this this kind of takes me back to the other point maybe this is a good springboard for for jackass um but i'm sitting here having watched the impractical jokers movie becoming more and more aware of this what feels like sort of like an undercurrent of a thing right you're saying they play msg and you didn't know that's yeah. insane to me um please we're calling it the garden now i'm sorry it's it's to me i kind of just like there's something in me there's like still a shred of like active contrarianism that just like wants to like like take up the flag and start being like vehemently anti impractical jokers the way that the people who I assume are vehemently pro impractical jokers felt about jackass or feel about jackass since you know, wow. Jack, you know what I mean? Wow, this is like, getting quite layered. I feel like there is a yin and yang in the fan base of these two things. Um, of course, there's going to be an overlap, and the overlap is essentially like Slipknot fans, but like <laughs> wow, unnecessary <laughs> Slipknot shade. Jeez, um, but I think uh, I think yeah, I think that there's to me there. It just feels like there's something. It feels like the Impractical Jokers must be stopped. I don't know if I'm creating. I don't know if I'm creating a sequel by mistake. <laughs> this a, but yeah, yeah like, seriously, careful. Feels like they must be stopped. Uh, careful what you wish for. <laughs> and I for. think Johnny Knoxville is the man to do it. Yeah, well, I was gonna say, you know, the Impractical Jokers can fall pretty far and still afford a Michael Kester cameo. So don't try to become the the face of this movement. That's true. It's That's not true. <laughs> Yeah, uh, well, I'm on whatever side is pro Slipknot, I guess, but I know that wasn't clear in the metaphor. <laughs> so yeah, well, I think I think both. I think, like I said, I think Slipknot fans, the Slipknot fan base transcends. You know, those are the people who 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 like Impractical Jokers, but are also like adamant Jackass fans. Although I think if they had to pick a shirt, they'd pick the Jackass logo. <laughs> yeah, the branding's very important. Yeah, strong. Looking for more double feature? Find nearly thousands of episodes at patreon.com forward slash double feature. Yeah, so Jackass the movie, we've talked around Jackass a a couple times on the show. I was uh, really hoping we could do it second. That's just kind of how this, this, uh, let's pretend that was intentional, but... um, because I think, you know, Jackass has always held this place in my mind where, like, 
no secret to people who listen to this podcast, I'm an, an unapologetically pretentious person. Like, mm-hmm. I just don't even understand the, the argument against, you know, like, I like scholastic things. I like academic things. I like learning and knowledge. I, uh, you know, I just feel like if we can achieve higher things, like, let's just try to do it. And so the, the contrarian in me always sort of felt like secretly jackass was one of those things mm-hmm. in a way that, like, I could never really explain and this show's actually kind of made it harder because you really have to study the delta between Impractical Jokers and Jackass if you're going to try to make an argument that, mm-hmm. like, one is high art and one isn't. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, from the opening shopping cart bit, it's, it doesn't even matter that that's a piss take. It still does read to me like high art. Yeah. And I was just happy that Jackass was around when I was growing up. I never sat and watched it. It was a show, right? It was MTV. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it ran a couple of years on MTV. It's hard to say how long it ran because it's such an empire. It just sort of like, it was parts of other MTV shows. And if you look at Jackass, like every movie has like a fucking point five, and then the movie and then a right. movie point five. You know, there's like a Jackass 4.5. Yep. I don't think they even called any of the movies Jackass 4. It's all very confusing. The numerology of Jackass is a separate show, though. Uh, So anyways, my point is it was around, and I guess I was just satisfied to sit and finally, like, engage with it on its terms. Go, okay, well, I'll watch Jackass the movie. And I I didn't have to pretend that I was getting, like, a little bit of a profound experience from it. Is that ridiculous? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? No, I think, I mean, I think I agree with you. I feel like Jackass is, Jackass is and has always had, it's very punk rock. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's the Anthony Bourdain to the Wolfgang Puck of, of other candid camera shows. You know, it's, it's, um, there's, there's Anthony this, Bourdain there's, really quick. Can I say, you just uh, like hit my, did I tell you I was watching the Bourdain stuff? Uh, recently? No. No. Well, it's just kind of like crazy the people that I fell in with here. But I was watching the last episode he put out, which is on the Lower East Side. I don't know if you've ever seen it. Of, of uh, Parts Unknown. Episode, no. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, Parts Unknown is so good, it will almost make you a CNN defender. It's mm-hmm. like, what insane person at CNN allowed them to air this stuff? But yeah, as I'm watching it, like every person he interviews I've either met or they're like a friend of a friend. It's just all these crazy artists that it was like this realization that, um, I don't know, somebody who I, I had never thought of as counterculture was actually like a fucking linchpin of the, the counterculture yeah. movement. Yeah, absolutely. Just amazing. Well, and, but I think more than that, because I think, I think he's sort of, he lives in that space that you're talking about, right? Is he is he is unapologetically pretentious in a lot of ways, but not outside of like the purity of simplicity, which Whoa. kind of brings me back to Jackass, right? I'm sure. Like, um, there is there. So so first of all, let me just let's just let's just call this out at its face because we 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 rattled so much on the other on the other half nobody in jackass everybody in jackass who's getting the shit put to them 
uh, is the jackass guys. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's there's the bad grandpa aspect and like action park, which uses a little bit more of the like candid camera stuff. Um, <clears throat> Or party boy or whatever. You oh, know, there I, are, I see are, what you're saying. Yeah, so for the most part, the butt of the joke is the stars of the film. Yeah. And not, yeah, it's, right. It's contained buffoonery. It's it's nobody outside of the people who are all, like, contractually there. This is this is essentially, in a lot of ways, you know, it's, it's, it's an extremely, like, low or high brow this is like Hellraiser, right? Like, is this pleasure or pain? It's like low or highbrow, like, like um, David Blaine tricks, right? Like, yes. can yeah. a human being possibly handle X disgusting thing? Right. X insane thing, you know? And and when we're talking, we're talking Jackass the movie, you know, in name on this show, but I'm talking Jackass, like you mentioned, the Empire, because I have and you probably don't know this about me because I don't talk about it, maybe for the same reasons, but like, I am a day one. When Jackass 4 came out, I watched that shit day one. When Jackass 4.5 came out, I watched that shit day one. Oh, yeah, well, look, you know Johnny Knoxville's stuff really well, so I would have just Absolutely. assumed that about you. I think I think yeah. you're a little more transparant than you. Than yeah, no, that's fine. Because, yeah. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of it. Of I course. just feel like, I feel like... Um, I want to have this conversation about jackass. And I feel like the average person who wants to talk about jackass is like, Oh my God, Preston's fat. And he had like sweaty sushi. It's like gross. Um, but there's, there's, there's this like, there's this like deep appeal to, and, 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 and this, this, the other thing about this is, is when jackass was airing, so much of what made Jackass popular and rocketed it to this like place in um, in pop culture. It wasn't that people were getting shot in the nuts or that like Steve-O, you know, was obnoxious or, you know, that people were going to the hospital. Well, it was that people were going to the hospital, but not the cast of the movie. The thing that made Jackass so transcendently popular, so transcendently fast is that all of the fucking impractical jokers fans who didn't know they were that yet were going Jackass is trash. Jackass is dangerous. My son is doing Jackass tricks in the backyard and I'm afraid he's going to go to the hospital. And as soon as fucking Janet Reno and co are telling me, this is bad. As soon as Jackass has to put the fucking don't smoke, it'll kill you on the first panel of every episode of every movie. Suddenly I go there. This is subversive. This is truly subversive. They're doing something they shouldn't be doing. Um, and part of me understands that the reason that it's happening anyway is because, you know, some white dude somewhere is getting real paid about it. But, uh, at the end of the day, there's just something, there's something to the fact that, especially as time goes on, right? Jackass 4, these guys are 50 years old. Yeah. You know, and they're still getting... It's almost the gag from the the end of the movie. Yeah, uh... it's crazy. It's, there's, it's, there's like, there's like a whole like human experiment to it. You want to talk Warhol, dude. Jackass is... If Andy Warhol existed in the time of Jackass, 
the dude would be fucking he would be all over it oh yeah you know he because because of the like human experience factor because of the commodification of the least of the smallest commodity right yeah fucking fucking shit jokes like literal shit jokes yeah it's like billions of dollars there's a um the the legacy of the jackass kind of like beyond a candid camera but a little more of the uh performance art i guess right Right. when you think aloud like performance art from the 1970s or um, things that really involve the body and the self, uh, that goes back uh, decades, obviously, as well. And I always thought about, you know, the, the origin point for Jackass to me, and I think that the, the reason that it has this high art connotation... Is it the sideshow? Are you talking sideshow shit? Well, it's a little bit of that, but it's like, okay, so, you know, I grew up around skate videos, And I was never into skating. I could never skate. And in Mm -hmm. truth, I never really made any skate videos. But I've talked so many fucking times about, like, learning to shoot on mini DB and all that garbage. There's a really good, uh, just to to point it out, um, uh, VHS Viral has that awesome skate video short. totally, totally. If you haven't, anybody listening, if you want to understand why skate videos are and were dope, just go watch that. Well, the great thing about skate videos is if you want to be a filmmaker, you know, if we look at it from the, the like cinema side of things, that was my interest is I wanted to make movies, but the idea of putting a movie together, I mean, there was definitely a time in my life where I consciously thought about it. And as soon as I started really getting into it, I'd go, no, this is impossible. Making a movie is literally impossible. I don't even, I can't even list the things there's a hundred people running around on the set of a movie. I don't even know what they do. I don't know how you go from, like, I've picked up a camera. I pointed it at things. It doesn't look like a movie. I don't know how you get there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you have to figure it out. I mean, especially if you do it, uh, like, autodidactically. You have to figure it out by just taking one step at a time. And so when you talk about, like, uh, like I think about minimum viable products. You know, what if I want to make a movie or I want to make a video or I want to make something I can presentationally, you know, like I can show it to my friends, right? Mm -hmm. I need to figure out how the camera part of things works for cheap. I don't have any money. I live in the suburbs. I got nothing. And then I need to be able to do something stupendous to film. What am I going to film? I can't just film my friends hanging out and talking. I mean, if I want to be ambitious. Turns out you could. If I had mini DV yeah, tapes of my friends just hanging out at shows, I could, I could make a, a fucking OnlyFans of that yeah, goddamn you thing. Yeah, absolutely do that. Oh, well. Yeah. They, I didn't realize how much the era of mini DV would end up being its own, like, um, I know. pastiche or whatever the fuck you'd call it. So, anyways, not the point. My point is that, um, that you know, combining, like, what made skateboard videos cool is that if your friends could skate and you had a camera, you could point it at your friends, and then there's kind of just a natural cinematic build to a skateboard trick, right? There's a, mm-hmm. there's a beginning, middle, end, man. And you don't know which part's going to be the most exciting, to be honest. The beginning's always going to be like, oh, I'm going to try to do this stunt. It's going to be hard. And so how does every Jackass video start? 
oh yeah, here's my name and here's what I'm here to do today. Boom. That's a fucking skateboarding right. video. Right. And then you yeah. try to watch the trick. And as we learned with skateboarding videos, when the trick goes colossally bad, it's often better than if it goes well. Right. And it's easier to fail a thing than, <laughs> than right. you know, do it well. And then uh, the ending, you have a bigger ending if there's a disastrous aftermath. The more disastrous, the bigger the ending. And so, you know, at the, at the very beginning of any artist is an artist trying to figure out, like, how the fuck to make. And that's skateboarding videos. Yeah. You know, that is, um, it, it, it builds on that kind of performance art. And really, I think is like, it's like the highest echelon you can achieve for a skateboarding video. That's the other thing that's cool about it is it's like, okay, we've got this, this, art form of skateboard video how do we continue to elevate it and then what's the biggest fucking boom jackass the movie you know throw in the the epic classic music and the it's like a shopping cart but it's built for the size of man and there's pyrotechnics um pushing it for no reason as you said earlier just to be the biggest thing you know yeah. And let me tell you, to go back to what you were saying, one of the things that when you watch the point five movies, which, you know, only do it if you're, you know, want to. But um, one of the things that like really it's just like a quick thing when I was watching uh, Jackass 4.5, but they're the four, the point five movies. If you don't know, they're essentially like the behind the scenes of whatever number. So 4.5 is behind the scenes of four with all the deleted stunts. So it's like some new stunts and then a little bit of like behind the scenes. But the thing that's cool is in when you're when they're interviewing Johnny Knoxville for 4.5 um, and he talks about how, you know, they all thought Jackass 3D was going to be the last Jackass movie. But, you know, things change in society and COVID and they realize maybe, you know, they had a chance to do one more. And Johnny Knoxville says this thing. Very simple thing, but it goes back to what you were just saying about making a movie. Johnny Knoxville goes, you know, I had a conversation with Steve-O, and I realized that we were both actually game for another Jackass movie, and I kind of had some other conversations with some of the other guys, and we got this new crew, et cetera, et cetera. And he goes, and he goes, and before I knew it, I was writing Jackass 4. Dude's writing Jackass 4. This is a movie <laughs> that somebody wrote you know what i mean he's so to go back to what you're saying like when every every stunt it's i'm steve-o and this is what i'm going to do but it's not just this is what i'm going to do because all the stunts have titles man these are vignettes yes yeah right like like johnny knoxville and the crew he sat down and he goes okay so it's not just uh it's not just like a shopping cart gag but we're going to get a big shopping cart we're going to call it you know the giant cart I mean that is that is French cinema. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. There's, it's it's like it's the and he goes he goes and in this scene, I mean like in his mind in, in the mind of Johnny Knoxville, he's not only like planning the stunt, titling the stunt, creating the gravitas to each little little chapter, but he's going the goal is X and to fail means Y. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But the goal is this giant shopping cart tips the fuck over and everybody gets their ass fucking battered. And he's like, to fail is somehow the cart makes it all the way down the hill. 
And he goes, but then that's in its own way sort of poetic and amazing. Yeah, yeah. Right? There's that I think is when, when, when I heard – it's stupid because of course because it's a, it's a film. Nobody – it films – you know, it's not a skating video, right? It's not just turn the camera on and see if they land the ollie. It's something – he sat down and he went, okay, and so for this next piece – this is the strategy. This is the plan. This is how I want it to go. This is what we're going to call it. And the second, the second somebody is being like that creatively anal about something as literally anal as jackass, mm-hmm. it's it, that is where the art and the beauty and the magic really occurs, you know. And I think that is what's missing from the other movie. I don't feel. I feel like they go. Wouldn't it be funny if if you because uh, because the the difference and and I hadn't actually put my finger on this, but the difference with impractical jokers is is they're sitting there with a microphone going and now walk around the car again. That'd be funny. Yeah, but right. they don't. There's no there's no like grand scheme by which this prank goes. It's <laughs> let's sure. let's chuck out some random ass premise and then we'll just fucking figure out what feels awkward the whole time. Yeah. Whereas as the jackass crew is like, no, we have a clear ending in mind and we either reach that ending or fucking die trying. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty happy sitting here and talking about them that it was kind of like, if anything, I started with a deficit. I started in this hole of, oh no, do I not like jackass as much as I think I do because it's the same thing as in Practical Jokers and what does that mean? And then it's it's sort of like, well, I don't have, you know, just frankly, I don't have a lot of nice things to say about Impractical Jokers. So it's kind of like, well, is there any point to the, I guess why pair the movies was sort of the fear. And then through talking about this, yeah. I feel like you've landed on a lot of what that delta is. You know, the, sure. it's it's fucking minutia, man. That's that makes yeah. the two things different because they do look very similar on the surface, but in in some very key ways they couldn't be more different. And I also think when people look at Jackass today, there's uh there's this newly pearl clutching sort of I don't know. It's it's fun how it reads today because it's it's like pearl clutching with the the prior generation. Mm-hmm. The very people who are like defenders and consumers of this type of media, whatever, fifteen years ago, are now the people who are looking at media going, "Is this bad for society?" You know, right? Like, like mm-hmm. I won't hum the four notes of turning Japanese. You know, sure. like I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. It's in the fucking movie. And I I kind of wondered about that, too. I wondered, like, okay, Jackass, today, you know, is... It, did I miss the boat, right? Like, watching it in the modern world instead of watching it in 2002, like, how would that play? And I was so surprised to find, like, how much, you know... Having having previously stated what a pretentious fuck I am, that it still mm-hmm. really spoke to me. And I think part of that is because it is like a cultural document. It is a, a the documentary aspect, the sort of like we're we're 
capturing this thing that happened in this place in this time lets you look at it and you know some of the stuff in it that is the things that I feared the most, like the hypermasculinity, right? Mm-hmm. The whole male body and the gross-out humor and the gags and the but really like the masculinity of it. I thought that would be my biggest problem with it, yeah. and it ends up being my my the nut shots of it all. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But it's my biggest joy because it's like it reads like a fucking zoo, man. You know, it's, it's literally like you're going to see creatures in cages at a zoo. Right. And you're just observing them and going, what is, sure. what is this? And sort of like For real. using this, the, another power of, of film, which is like the safety of it. Jackass is behind a glass cage and I can kind of tap on it and go, why are you lighting each other's genitals on fire? And just like, to right. me, that was... It's like a study of that. It feels like something that that when when society progresses to the point you and I believe it ought to, we'll be able to point back at Jackass and be like, we were Neanderthals. <laughs> right. We were Neanderthals. Right. Somebody made the evidence. <laughs> Somebody yeah. made the evidence. <laughs> oh, so funny. Okay. Well, speaking of uh, Le Cinema Francais, I have to go to my Isabelle Hubert Fest now. Okay. So uh, if if you're interested in the 45 films of Isabel Huber, uh, you know, feel sure. free to ask me questions later. But uh, are they? She's in one of the Jackass movies, right? Is she? Is that you yeah, know, honestly, it wouldn't surprise me with some <laughs> of her filmography. It's really pretty. It's true. <laughs> still to to this day of like all of the weird French actors that I love is one of the most like. What's she doing in this? What a, what a weird yeah. you know like always a. <laughs> strange thing alright and so with that I have to return some videotapes alright bye bye this show is brought to you by the double feature executive producers yeah bet you didn't know that Arnold mm. Bart would thank the executive producers from the patron Tom Leonard Kerr Ross Mahler Henrik Dinder yeah. Ben Eckert Charles Crawford Jeremy if you like the show, help to keep it on the air by joining patreon.com forward slash double feature.